Hey guys, it's Stephen Chris with UnashamedUnafraid.com, a blog unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. So I'm super excited here to do episode two of our Answering Anonymous Questions. Um, we're hoping to kind of get these out faster and not let it kind of build up like it did last time. So if you are not familiar with uh, Chris, Chris um, was I think the first person to share a story on the blog. Him yeah. and Autumn have an amazing story. I always tell people, if you think my story's crazy, his story's nuts. Um, but a ton of sobriety, doing incredibly well, and um, I would even compliment more on recovery. And then we also have our special star guest here with us, Todd Olson, uh, one of the founders of the Life Star Network. And, um, hey guys, glad to be here. <clears throat> I don't even know what to say about your credentials, Todd. Todd is, in my own words, I would just say the real deal. So, um, Todd, how, how long have you been working with sexual addiction people uh, in your practice? Uh, LCSW, yeah, right? Uh, correct. About 30, 31 years I've been working with people struggling with sexual addiction and family members of those struggling. So, quite a long time. So, Todd is a wealth of knowledge to uh, understate it. So, um, on this episode, we just have two questions. So, the first one is... The question was, where can I get information on marriage and sexual addiction? So, obviously, I would say you've arrived, you're unashamedunafraid.com. We have all sorts of information. But our information is particularly geared towards uh, addicts, right, from the addict perspective. Sure. So right. where else would you steer, I don't know if this is an addict or a spouse or something, but where else would you steer people right. for just general information? So for, for a marriage, with uh, what do I do? If I have a sexual addiction and had a, um, how do I get help in my marriage? I don't understand the question. Can you say it one more time? What the question was? It, it was additional information about marriage and sexual addiction. Okay. That was it. All right. So uh, Jeff Ford and Jeff Stewart, of the directors of the Life Star program in St. George, they they have some great articles and blogs and the website at Life Star of St. George. They focus a lot on the couples down there and they'll have your answer. Their answer is in one of their articles. Um, but it's anywhere you look at treatment with addiction, it's going to affect your marriage. And you've got to understand that. And there's a new term going on right now that's um, used to be called relational trauma, and now people are calling uh, betrayal trauma is the, the newer term. And trauma in and of itself is difficult. And, and one thing people need to understand, if there's addiction going on and you're married, there is betrayal, betrayal trauma that will most definitely be there. And so you, gotta, you need to get educated on that. Um, and so there's there's articles and there's chapters and there's books on that whole subject. And if you ever go get treatment for that, you need to find treatment for someone who knows about trauma, how to address trauma so that they don't cause more damage. So that's, that's kind of my answer to that is get educated. Knowledge is power in that case. And uh, if you need help, see someone who knows about addiction and how to do trauma. Chris, anything to add? No, I think he, no, I mean, um, as far as websites go, um, 
Lifestar.org has some information on there that you can actually access and, and get some information to with some links within there as well. Um, I know that um, on the our blog, the unashamedunafraid.com blog, there's some links in there that that will take you there as well. Visit our resources page. Yeah. yeah. Here's what I think. I, I think, uh, and this is for you, Stephen, is that um, you're going to get more and more of those questions. And what you might find out is you might have to have another website or another half of a website that's dedicated to betrayal trauma and what are women to do. They, they don't see it. They don't see the help out there on some places and, and they need that. Um, so that's just like a plug-in for you. And I, and I will say, actually, I get emails all the time where I'm telling people resources that aren't on our resources page, so we need to update our resources page. That's on us, not yeah. you. I'm there. And um, the other thing I would put in is uh, any 12-step program, they do both support ones and then ones for addicts. That's a really great, like if you're looking for something like literally today, right now, um, they're all free. Um, we do have several of those, uh, the SA um, in general ones. Um, there's another group here in Utah that does ones. Um, the LDS Church has does them all over the place. There's some other groups who do them as well. So don't know where you are, where you're coming from, but that's a really good kind of first stop just to give some people who are trying to do something about it. Okay. So, um, so Stephen, let me ask you this question. I know you probably answered this in some of your other blogs in the very beginning, but maybe other people aren't, when they just start looking at your website now and they look at an article you just posted or a podcast. So why are you doing this? So our, yeah, that's a good comment. So for me, when I entered recovery, I, um, Chris's story was one of the first things that really helped me. It was very hopeful. And, um, and so as I kind of went along the road of recovery, there were people talking from your perspective, from the therapist's perspective as a professional, here's this issue, here's how we deal with it. And then you had some churches and church people talking about it, particularly in, you know, mm -hmm. Christianity. And then I found a lot of stuff where spouses were talking about it. And the only thing I could find where addicts were talking, like from the I perspective, mm -hmm. was um, very anonymous, very hard to find, like basically 12-step 12 12 journal websites. That it was someone like Rick. And, and those weren't really connect to any resources. That was a single person saying, hey, here's my journey, kind of my thoughts. Maybe if you can find it and if I let you in. So that's and the so, name of your website. Yeah, so to be, yeah, unashamed and afraid. So I thought, you know, no one's speaking from the eye, and I think if they were, it would be less shaming, obviously. So yeah. here we are. And we're getting anonymous questions. And so you're good. trying to break that that taboo out there. Like like alcoholism and drug abuse is kind of socially acceptable mm -hmm. treatment. Mm -hmm. but this is kind of still new. But you're trying to break that and say, hey, we, we've got to do this to help more people out. Well, and if you leave uh, Christianity, most people don't even acknowledge it as an issue. I mean, okay. in most non-Christian circles, if you say, hey, I have sexual addiction, they're like, no, you don't. That's whatever. That's, that's just a man. That's, that's just a, a man. man. That's just... Okay. Yeah, so so I think it's positive. So here's our, our more meaty question. So thank you to this anonymous submitter. So he said, I will try and be concise. Thanks in advance for the open sight and welcome energy. You're welcome. On topic. We're happy to have you. Uh, you probably hear from a lot of guys, and I'm wondering if I can leverage that experience and advice. You can leverage it, and we do hear from a lot of guys. 
Um, uh, I'm coming here tonight because I gave into pornography and masturbation. I was clean for many months in 2017. How many is enough? Question mark. So that's kind of the first question. Um, only forever is enough. I had one slip in December, now two in January 2018. Um, I have my life score in my mind right now, and it's probably faulty logic to think that way. But how else do you measure? My slate has been wiped clean many times, and then I mark it up again. Uh, coming up on four decades of life. Decade two seemed to uh, sow the worst seeds. I'm assuming that's in your 20s, which makes sense. Uh, media addiction to numb out work and job. I probably have had 15 severe indulgences to pornographic videos um, and half the number again in masturbation. Uh, the sin continues to shake up my soul, praying for forgiveness in the very act. Um, so obviously kind of aware of what's going on, but not yet shaken enough to be free. And the monster returns to feed. 2017 um, had so much momentum with 11 months of clean, of clean and free. I felt free, I felt clean. I lost much of my desire for any media and therefore built up time and space against my opposition. But now I worry that gains I have been blessed with in 2017 are evaporating. I am addicted and I do need, I am addicted and do I need to confess to my wife? Second big question. I have never told her. Maybe she knows in her soul already. I am terrified to open up her to confess that I have let this monster in. But I am more terrified of Feeling my sacred and divine purpose and privileges. My number one question for you is this. Can it be just Christ and me working it out until I am free? Uh, I also know about afflicting and unclean spirits and that I have succumbed to the natural man that I am. But I believe in Christ who believes in me to overcome it and to change it and no more to be influenced by it. I know the Lord, even if tonight as a wretch, but uh, yet he still has been free to love me in grace um, and I have promises from him that I trust. If I say I have not sinned, I'm a liar. But I can say I will not sin in things and improve anymore and have that be true. Sorry. Can I say I will not sin in anything anymore and have that statement be true? I believe it's possible. So probably first, I just want to say a lot of men, like we've heard this story before, right? Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. So you're not alone. A lot of men in this scenario, so a lot of your questions, uh, you can leverage our experience. And, dude, super shout out for just the courage to reach out to us and kind of talk about some of the things on your mind. So I'm going to kind of take your questions in order here. So to Todd and Chris, so his first question was, um, you know, he said, he was kind of talking about sobriety, right? He said, I had long stints, but how much is enough? And he kind of says forever. So maybe how would you kind of mindset that around sobriety and slips and how that works in the recovery process. Um, I, I would say, you know, sobriety and recovery are two different things. I mean, they go hand in hand, but sobriety is just, is how long have you been, um, how long has it been since you last acted out? And this is my perception of, of it, but recovery is like being actively engaged in um, trying to um, overcome your addiction, overcome, you know, trying to stop like reaching out and, um, meeting up, you know, through SA or, um, you know, Lifestar Network or just different, different things, but you're actively engaged in trying to stop the addiction, um, which obviously he sounds like he'd been doing it for most of his life, just like I did most of my life. And I kept getting to, you know, I would get 30 days and then I would get 
60 days and slip, and then I get 90 days and slip, and I kept thinking, why do I keep, you know, getting these things and slipping, and being like, oh, this is ho- this is terrible, I'm never going to stop, and then it wasn't until I finally started looking at it, you know what, today, I'm going to be sober, just today, that's all I need, I need to be sober today, and instead of looking, oh, you know what, I want to get five years of sobriety, I want to get 10 years of sobriety, and stuff like that, that's not what... That's not how the addiction or how recovery works. You got to take it day by day. And for me to be able to start taking that every single day and saying, you know what, today I'm going to be sober, that's when I really started seeing sobriety. And then I started looking at it as, you know what, um, like this guy said he went 11 months without having a slip. That's awesome. But then he's like, oh, I'm starting back over again. I understand that feeling. The feeling of I'm back to day one. I'm back to Whatever day one. progress I yeah. made is lost. Yeah, he says the monster returns to feed. Yeah. And so I look at it as, you know what? When was the last time you went 11 months? That's pretty awesome. If, it, if it's hard for you to, to get 60 or 90 days and then all of a sudden you go 11 months and then you may have, you know, two or three slips and then you kind of get back on the bandwagon and stuff like that. You know what? That's awesome. <laughs> right. That's a yeah, you might have some marks. But. I think you nailed it in the beginning, though, Chris, when you said that recovery and sobriety are two different things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just I'm looking at the questions and listening to him. I think he thinks that just stopping is enough. And it's it's just way bigger than that. Um, so he he's the one that the person asking the question is the one that needs to decide if he's an addict or not. But... Um, you know, the sexual addiction is more of a, a intimacy problem or an attachment problem. And so he's just kind of missing the boat if he thinks that, if I just stop, that'll fix me. So, um, and he's been focusing on that. That's got to be very frustrating for him because then he just ends up white knuckling it. And, and the monster returns to feed. Yeah, it's going it's gonna to happen if he doesn't do the recovery part. It's just changing the way he does his life, and there's some things he can't see. Um, so I'm, he's, he's probably just not educated enough, and here he is seeking some knowledge, which is really good. I think he's going to figure it out. Well, and I've seen, so I had a guy I met who had three years of complete sobriety, and, I'm, and I think he was being honest with me, but not a day of recovery. Yeah. And as he talked about his marriage and stuff, I'm like, man, this is feeling very day one as far as kind of the marriage yeah. stuff goes. It's kind of like a dry drive. Yeah, kind of like a, a dry drunk, and so I I think that's important too. What you said, Todd, is it's sobriety's super important, and it's going to help, and it's going to build trust, and there's a lot of things there, but you have to have the recovery. Um, I kind of like to think that it's about recovery, and sobriety's a part of right. recovery. Right. Yeah. So he's saying he's thinking not the reverse. Stop. You do recovery so you can have you know sobriety's the. So he's thinking that stopping is his answer, and that's not the answer. But you can't stop still. That's real life. Right. Yeah. You, we still, sobriety's not bad. We're just saying you need to talk about recovery. So his second question um, that he kind of poses in here is, uh, you know, is this, he, he hasn't told his wife uh, at all. He says, you know, maybe she knows in her soul already. Does he need to disclose to his wife? Um, you know, his question is, can it be just Christ and me? Whoever wants to pick that one up. <laughs> so everybody's uh, situation is different, right? And uh, first of all, 
knowledge is power and strength and get educated on this first of all and like just knowing that stopping is not the only answer that there's a whole thing in recovery and learning a little bit about what recovery is and addiction is seen as an intimacy disorder and people will manage outcome to make sure that they're safe and have control of situations and so that's what I kind of see is an avoidance of telling wife is a way of managing to make sure that the marriage works. And that's not what intimacy is. Intimacy is that we have each other's back, uh, that we can talk about anything with each other. And, and we're not just talking about sexual intimacy. We're talking about right. relational Emotional intimacy, closeness, connection. That's, that's the kind of intimacy. Thank you, Chris. And so how close am I... And so if I'm not telling her because I'm afraid of what's going to happen, that's like managing outcome, so I just won't tell her. And so whether it's addiction or not, think about this. Um, we, all, we all run into things that we use, and like food or uh, food might be a good example, okay? <coughs> so uh, I can, or, or Netflix and the, you know, all of the social media social that's media. out there. I can see how I can really misuse this. That's usually where we'll be, use and misuse. And if it's like, oh, I can see I can misuse this, we're careful and we just make sure we don't go further. So there's use, misuse, there's abuse of it. Now I'm abusing it. I'm having to help me cope or deal with life and then I'm gonna get dependent on that and then I'm gonna be addicted. So it really doesn't even matter where you are on that continuum. If you're just keeping that to yourself, not sharing it with, that, with anybody, there's something's going on there. It's like, aren't we supposed to talk to those that we're close to? So, yes, I think you should talk to your spouse. I also think you should get educated on betrayal trauma to know when she reacts a certain way, it's probably expected because she's going to think that you've been lying to her for all this time. And so if you act out 11 months ago, and you wait 11 months to tell, she's going to think you've lied for 11 months. And you can get in an argument about that, and you can see how this could go south. So I would get some professional help before you talk to your wife to kind of really tell the therapist, what is it that... Tell them your story and, and find out if there really is an addictive component to your... Don't hold back. Like, on. be fully, like... Right. Full disclosure with the counselor. Yeah, just go tell it all. Don't manage outcome. With the right. counselor first. With the counselor first. Yeah, go talk to a counselor. Get some professional help. And uh, and how do I do this? How do I tell my wife? And get some guidance on that. That's really important part. What do you, Chris, what's your thoughts on that? So my, my biggest thing that I have come up for that is um, isolation. So as, as he tries to, I don't know, I do this too where I didn't want to disclose to my wife. I didn't want to tell her anything. Oh, yeah. So Because I still want to be able to isolate. I don't want to let anybody know because it's a way for me to isolate and not um, have that out in the open. Not <coughs> and that's really how that addiction feeds is isolating yourself. And, you know, you not disclosing that information to your wife, I feel like, um, can make it so that that addiction can still breed um, and continue to, to haunt you and have that monster continue to come back because you're trying to just do this on your own. And it's 
I don't know anybody that's ever been able to do it on their own. And I've been in recovery for a little over 10 years. And obviously you've been dealing with a lot of people for over 30 years. And probably not many people have ever tried to do this. I've ever tried to do it on their own. But this might not be somebody that has been able to do that. And they right. need help. Right. And that is, you know, you bring up the, the counselor or something like that. And so isolating yourself is, is not the way to go because that will just continue to feed the addiction. Well, and it's kind of, so I talk to men sometimes about sex, right? And they say, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I feel rejected. And I said, okay, so when you have the experience where you're laying in bed and you roll over and your wife's like, don't touch me, I'm tired. Is it that like physically you just feel like, you know, you're going to like fall apart or you're going to get a headache or your arms are going to fall off, you're going to explode? Or is it that emotionally that's devastating? And I like that example because I think, all men have felt that at some point in time. And so it kind of goes back to what Todd said. It, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to, you're trying to cope with something using, I'll call it addiction. You asked whether or not, it, you know, he has addiction or not. I, I can't a hundred percent say I'd, I'd say probably, but, um, you're using that to try and cope for something that's not working correctly. That should be. Mm-hmm. And so, a connection that's missing. A connection. So if I were to sit with you alone in the room, I would say this. The monster is not this pornography addiction that's coming out of the woodwork. The monster is that uh, someone other than God, I'll call it the adversary, um, has convinced you that you're a monster and has convinced you that you're never going to be okay. And has convinced you of things like if you were to tell your wife, she would leave you, hate you, Blah, whatever the list is for you personally. And um, I'm just here to tell you that's just not true. Um, how I mean, you would, Todd, how many wives stick around when men stay in recovery? So with, with uh, full disclosure, formal full disclosure, over 80%, which is higher than 50% of the national average. So the, And to how to prepare for a full formal disclosure, you need the help of the therapist. And that's a, that's a whole... Other podcasts that are doing totally, and so I I think that that to me that's where the monster is. It's in it's in the closeness that's missing, as Todd talked about, and the intimacy as Chris talked about. I think that's the part that's really missing in your life, and uh, I can just tell you from the addict perspective. So I don't know if you know my story or not. I did not get caught in my addiction, so I never got busted for having an affair. Where'd that money go? And prostitution was the big thing for me. And so having done both in my life now, um, a lot of times people think if I was just 100% sober or if I could just manage the dual life, that's what I told myself, that I'd be okay. And you're just not ever going to be happy there. But now being in recovery and having some real moments with my wife that are really connected, that's, that's been really positive. And Todd, maybe you could share the story, you may not remember this one, of the dude on the beach after the full disclosure. Yeah. And he shares. I think that's a good example, that story, right. of of what mm-hmm. you could have. I would I would say right. this is what you're missing. It's not about sobriety. What Todd's about to tell you, that's the part of life that you're missing that you could be so happy with and that God really wants you to have. Right. So, you know, to do a disclosure, if you do that, if you do it out of fear, you'll certainly leave something out. And we just we call that spotlighting where You'll spotlight and say just enough, but not everything. And as you've heard on this podcast site, secrets are, you can't keep secrets if you're in addiction. It won't work. So if you do your disclosure out of uh, fear, 
you'll leave some stuff out. If you do it out of guilt and shame, you'll leave something out. But if you do it out of uh, vulnerability, of I'm choosing to share all of me with you and show you all of me to give you a choice of whether you want me or not, there's no managing outcome there. And it's like real respectful. And it takes about two to four months to prepare for formal disclosure. It's just not a, a one-time thing you do. Uh, in, you know, at the, at the whim of a, a thought, there's a and, and don't do that. Don't pull to the kitchen counter and drop like half the bombs and then nod. And right. That's just a bad way to do it. That's bad. Right. Don't so, do that. So just how, that's why you should go to a therapist to get help on how to disclose. And so just think about it. If you, if you told your spouse, yeah, I stopped and, it, and, and you did stop, but you didn't tell her everything. Um, and she's out on the beach. You guys are like 65 years old, retiring, and and she's grabbing your arm, walking along, watching the waves. And I'm just so glad that 30 years ago you took care of that problem, and we're happy, and we stayed together. And you know that in the back of your mind, yeah. But if I told her everything, would she still be here? And versus. You know what? I told her everything and gave her a chance to leave me if she wanted to, and she chose to stay with me. I am the luckiest man on the planet, and God is good. And it's like everything, the atonement, God, my wife, I am so happy and authentic and clean, and I love my wife. And I learned a long time ago never to carry a lie or keep a secret. Transparency is the answer. So I don't know if that was the story that you were talking Yeah, you told about. me once about a guy who, who, who brought up something he thought he didn't disclose years oh, later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah there, uh, so after a full formal disclosure, um, if a memory comes that of an old acting out, oh, did I say that? I don't know if I told her that. And say, so, honey, hey, I have a... Uh, I had a memory come to me, and I need to tell you what it is. I'm not sure I told you about this. And he's still scared because he's kind of newer in his recovery. And he goes into full detail about what he did. And she smiles and said, thank you. You already told me that one. But I'm glad that you would tell me if something did come up. And it just made him closer. It made him feel better. And so the spouses, what happens there is... Trust and and uh, um, safety. It doesn't come from sobriety. Trust and safety comes from this guy's changed. He's different. Uh, he does life differently. He's honest. That's what I trust. And it's not the sobriety. So that's people don't understand that. Yeah, and. And one thing I would add to that is, uh, I had my sister say it to me best. I'm very close to a couple of my sisters. And uh, after I'd entered recovery, I was talking to one of them. And she said, oh, if you thought we were close, we aren't. And I was like, what? I thought we were close. And she's like, oh, no, it is very clear to me you're not emotionally available. And I don't really talk to you about stuff. And that was the moment that I realized, like, oh, this is what addiction costs. And so I will tell you, when you enter recovery, it's like you're living life in black and white, and then all of a sudden it becomes in color. Uh, whether your wife knows or not, 
I think that your relationship will change much for the better, maybe even better than you think it could be. Um, and so I, I know, Chris, for you and Autumn, how what's the difference in your relationship? Uh, you know, a lot of addicts, do I have more sex? Is she less mad at me? Is, you know, kind of those surface questions. But how's your relationship different with Autumn now with the honesty and the openness about what's happened and the healing and the change? Uh, absolutely, totally different than, than it used to be. And I, I used to think, you know, she had changed and become this mean person and stuff like that because that was what I focused on. But when I, it, it was because I had changed and I had become a jerk the way that I um, treated her. And so when um, I finally did the, the full disclosure, I mean, things came out three different times um, that I disclosed things. And finally, when I was like, you know what, I'm telling her everything. I'm not leaving it out. That was like you were talking about, giving them the chance to say, hey, you, I'm giving you everything. You have the chance to leave. And I knew that going into it, saying, hey, I'm, I'm disclosing everything. And she had the chance to leave. We separated for just a little bit. I mean, a short, very short time. Uh, but we slept in separate rooms for like two, three months. And um, what was awesome is that she saw me become somebody new. Like, literally, she, if she was sitting right here, she would tell you that, you know, I saw him physically change. And I think she even addressed that in our blog that we she did does. before. She does, yep. Listen to Chris um, and Autumn's story. Cool. And so where she saw me physically change, that Todd talked a little bit about that, too. You know, I became a different man. Um, I lived my life differently. And it allowed us to connect on, on a whole different level than we ever thought that we would have been. And where I'm coming up on 10 years of, of sobriety and, and being with my wife... Um, or be it disclosing with my wife everything uh, the relationship that we have I never ever thought that we would have had this I would never thought we would have had this closeness and the love that we share and the friendship that we share and the the intimacy and not just like I said not just sexual intimacy but just like that that loving connecting intimate relationship that I never thought I would. You just have. want to be with her, and she wants to be with you, and you. Yeah, like we care about each other. When we're apart, we feel it. Like we and 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 when we see each other again, it's like I love you. Like I I, I love being with you. Yeah. And and I would tell you, listen to Chris and Autumn's story on the blog because Autumn's on there, so you can hear it right out of her mouth. And also Mac and Melissa's story, uh, the same. You can hear it out of her mouth that the relationship's different. And um, I would just tell you, uh, you know, so the front page of the blog, I have a quote from Lecrae that says, there's plenty of people like me, all outsiders like me, all unashamed, not unafraid to live out what they're supposed to be, which is where I got the name for the blog. And I, I would tell you, Chris, freaking Chris went to treatment for like a year and a half and was still lying. I've done all sorts of messed up stuff and lied. And so we're not talking to you from a perspective of, hey, we're these perfect, squeaky clean people and maybe someday you can be on the A-team too. We have we have <laughs> we've made some big mistakes in life, and so at, as brothers, um, I I read you know your questions and I go, yep, I know those questions. I had them myself. Had to work yeah. through those. So we're but with I didn't you. Have enough courage to reach out to somebody like this. Yeah, dude, we're you're doing better than we are. That's for sure. But uh, I just want to let you know that I agree with you in your testimony uh, that Christ really does care about you. Whether you want to define yourself as a wretch or not, I know he defines you as the son of God. And um, I can tell you, you can have 100% healing. That's that's one thing when I hear people talk about managing addiction or managing relationships or only being okay or something you nurse your whole life. I, I just 
I just want to find all those people and stop them out and just remind them that Christ heals 100%. When I read the Bible and when I read the scriptures, he healed people 100%. He didn't kind of heal the blind man. He healed them. So um, I'll leave, you know, kind of that with you, and I will give the final word to Todd. Yeah, so remember, secrets, lifeblood of addiction, can't keep secrets, won't work. It's going to keep coming back. To keep a secret doesn't work. Get some professional help on how to disclose to your wife. Get educated. Find out if there's addiction going on. And even if there's not, you've misused it in a way to cope. And so there's other ways. And if you have addiction, you don't need God. And that's about all I have to say. Thanks for letting us talk today. Yeah, Todd, Chris, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thank you. Uh, To the two of you who submit anonymous questions, I know it takes tons of courage. We invite everyone else. If you have any questions coming out of this, please submit them. We will answer them uh, in our next post, and we'll see you then.